From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 720, the hybrid workforce and Windows update with guest Dave Beckman. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio and our next show in the pandemic series. I'm talking to Dave Backman, who is the Chief Technology Orator within the Windows Servicing and Delivery Organization. WSD is the team that manages the monthly and feature updates for the billion-plus Windows 10 devices in the world. He's currently leveraging his passion and enthusiasm to evangelize internal awareness of Windows 10, WAS, and the modern desktop helping customers digitally transform by embracing this new agile service model by driving adoption of Windows 10 and delivering a world-class user experience. Welcome, sir. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to have you here and great to hear from the Windows folks, but I really latched onto a blog post you did over in the tech community sites around this reimagining IT to support the hybrid workforce, which I mean, six months ago, if you said hybrid workforce, everybody would stare at you like you had three heads. Like, what the heck is a hybrid workforce? Well, if you think about um, the COVID issue uh, and pandemic across the globe, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, organizations, especially IT organizations, had to kick into high gear to support business continuity. Uh, And internally, we really think about business continuity from um, kind of three pillars. The first is the, the respond, the react. And that is, hey, we've got the work. Uh, stay at home orders and work from home mm-hmm. uh, being mandated via uh, governments and um, our own leadership. Uh, and really the respond react was, all right, grab what you need and work out of your house. Uh, you then move into the second phase and that's really around the recover. And that is getting an organization comfortable and in a place that they're able to support their remote workers right. um, at a particular level of support, uh, manageability so on and so forth. Um, and then most recently, if you hear Satya talk, his new v- vernacular is really reimagined, and that's reimagining what IT is going to look like uh, in order to support the hybrid workforce, which is really a very dynamic, fluid approach to uh, having workers on-prem, uh, having workers off-prem mm-hmm. working from home, uh, and then a combination thereof where people are going to be floating in and out of the office. And so from a manageability uh, perspective, a supportability perspective, how do you effectively support that scenario uh, without spinning up a bunch of new infrastructure? Uh, you hopefully get to the point where you're embracing a single pane of glass to provide manageability of those devices, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely does and it's again we have to remind everyone of this idea that we're probably it's not going to be like it was in january you know things aren't we only go forward here we're not going to go back to the way things were it's in some ways like the genie's out of the bottle 
folks have worked from home. I, I do have talked to folks who hate it, like that they just haven't got the home that's for that and they can't. They got to work from the office, but there's not a large number of them that are finding a way to be productive at home. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, I mean, if you think about the reason, the reason I wrote the blog on, on supporting the hybrid workforce is uh, it actually was twofold. The, the first thing was that I wanted to pull together and share out all the great business continuity blogs that we've been posting across the estate uh, at Microsoft and, and, you know, talking about all the point solutions that we've got. So I, I wanted to take an opportunity to share all that stuff out in a, in a single kind of comprehensive blog that addresses them all. The other thing is uh, internally and even through our customers, uh, I was getting a lot of questions around, you know, kind of point solutions of, hey, how can we be more effective at uh, updating and patching windows on a monthly basis? Yeah. And so it really got me to think that, you know, we really needed to up level the conversation, take more of a holistic approach, more of a strategic approach. Uh, to having the conversations because at the end of the day, uh, with the hybrid workforce, you know, it, it's not only just about managing patches from a Windows perspective, um, but it also now includes managing and updating drivers, firmware, the quality updates, the feature updates. Uh, it's managing and protecting your data uh, at rest and in transit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's allowing efficient uh, access to your productivity tools like OneDrive and office uh, and getting those updated on a regular basis. It's updating any of those third-party security tools and endpoint solutions you may be running. Uh, You've got to deal with hands-off hardware provisioning for the remote workers. I think we've done a lot of these shows too. Now that you're going down my list of what did we talk about in this pandemic series so forth, stuff like Windows Autopilot and scaling up VPNs. But I think it's also easy to fall in this trap of if I just move to the cloud, everything will be fixed, right? Isn't this what that's what it's about? Is just move to the cloud? Yeah, and that's that. I think we definitely, from at least Microsoft's perspective, um, you know, one hundred percent moving to the cloud is is feasible, and and we've got all the tools in place to be able to support it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to your point, if you look at kind of the internal Microsoft IT uh, organization or what they call CSEO now, um, you know, our respond and react um, was just as I described, you know, grab your hardware and move on. Yeah. Go our on. recover was really just ramping up the um uh, VPN connectivity uh, from a concurrency perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we really were in a, a great position um, because the decision back in uh, January uh, where we really digitally transformed the desktop and the endpoint and went 100% to the cloud. So if you think about that third pillar of reimagining, um, we really don't have to do anything because we're in a great spot at 100% uh, cloud um, enabled. Now, other organizations are going to want to, you know, leverage what they've got on prem uh, and move into more of a hybrid situation where they've got a combination of some on prem tools uh, as well as some cloud based tools and management capability uh, that really allows them to light up and, and manage the endpoints, uh, support the endpoints and then actually measure the endpoints productivity to ensure, you know, your users are safe, secure and productive from that endpoint perspective. And, you know, the COVID situation really, for me, 
has been a really uh, a forcing function for a lot of organizations yeah. um, to really start to embrace the cloud and, and look at what the future of IT is going to look like. And, you know, there's two aspects of it, right? There's a cultural aspect of it, which is the, the hardest piece that we need to address. And mm-hmm. that's really what COVID has been forcing the issue with a lot of this legacy IT thinking of managing my managing my perimeter, forcing everybody through my VPN concentrators and long hauling out to the internet. Um, And then from a technology perspective, the technology actually is there and it's proven and it works. It's just a matter of embracing kind of that cultural change and and making some of those uh, hard decisions. And and we're starting to see it with a lot of our customers, especially in some of the more traditional kind of legacy IT organizations like uh, financial services, so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, it's also just a sort of grappling with so many moving parts, but it's funny that we are embracing so much change at a time when we feel like things are kind of out of control and you'd think we wouldn't want to change too much. Yeah, you, it, it's amazing in, in talking with customers um, on how quickly they've been able to pivot um, and really start to make some change mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a tough situation. Um, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, if you look at some organizations in the kind of three phases of the business continuity framework I was talking about, you know, a lot of organizations, their respond was, oh, my gosh, we're heavy on desktops. Yeah. We don't have laptops for folks. So yeah. their respond mechanism was really scrambling around trying to buy silicon and then find some hardware that yeah, they yeah. could deploy to their users. I, I work with a, with a fellow who runs IT for a, a CAD company. And so laptops aren't even an option. They need those big horsepower machines. And it meant packing them all up and shipping them out to people's homes. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, again, kind of the uh, whole uh, Windows virtual desktop, uh, we've seen a big uptake uh, in virtualizing for organizations like that because, Mm -hmm. you know, they they require the horsepower and you just can't deploy that and support it uh, from a bandwidth perspective, from a horsepower perspective um, for a lot of those, uh, you know, heavy engineering organizations and others that require that kind of kind of horsepower. So it really put them in a, a bind. Yeah, no question. This disruption brings us all sort of checking in on values too. I think that's why one of the reasons there's so many changes going on is that we got sort of complacent. I did a show a few weeks ago where it's like, what was comfortable that was necessarily efficient, but it was comfortable. And now that nothing's comfortable, we're questioning all of these things and being able to change them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, again, kind of going back to that earlier conversation around, you know, the culture and the ability to change uh, IT organizations historically, I think, in my opinion, and, and mm-hmm. I'm one of them, right? I'm a former infrastructure guy yeah. and desktop engineering for a whole slew of uh, Fortune 500 companies. Um, so I've lived the dream. Um, <laughs> and you do, you get complacent um, and situations like the COVID pandemic really become that forcing function to really look internally um, at your processes, at your approach, you know, things like implementation of uh, split tunnel VPN, uh, things like zero trust networks, stuff that people have talked about for a long time that all of a sudden, hey, this is a pretty important stuff if we're going to be able to effectively support and and transition into this new hybrid workforce. And I think uh, from my perspective, uh, in my customer conversations, I think a lot of customers 
from the IT organizations uh, are very surprised at how agile they can actually be when they are put in a pinch and, and are making a lot of hard decisions. They obviously have the executive support to, to make some of those hard decisions, but they're they're pivoting pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and with need, but I, and I appreciate sort of that phase one of you got everybody out. Then you tried to get them productive, like actually working well. And the longer this has been going on, the more we're recognizing that this dynamic keeps on going. Do you see when folks would go into the office? Like, what is that mixed model? Is it just bringing in a team once a week for a, in a given office space? Is that factor into your thinking? Um, it, it does. I think, you know, there's going to be a, a whole myriad of approaches to bringing folks back into the office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at Microsoft, um, we're doing it on a per location basis based on the current locale situation. Right. So if, if they're, you know, at level four, level five, um, where you're uh, you're approved to bring in a, a certain amount of folks into the office and then, you know, eventually a full-on reopen. Uh, we're kind of across the board because here in Puget Sound, um, we've got approval to bring in some um, uh, hardship cases, uh, those folks that don't have the bandwidth that yeah. they need to get their jobs done, so on and so forth. Uh, and then you look at some of the um, uh, European countries where, you know, we, we've got full office capability and, and people are back uh, 100%. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a very dynamic thing. And, and in my opinion, I think you're going to see opens and closes based yeah. on the, the current situation. So, I think we're already seeing know, again, that. Again, right? how does IT position themselves uh, to be able to support and, and maintain that uh, kind of very um, uh, fluid uh approach to getting getting back to normal yeah. and again in my opinion i think that new new net normal is going to be a percentage of folks that are on prem a percentage that will remain at home like yeah. myself um i've got absolutely no need to go into the office just based on my role so yeah sure um you know where historically i would have gone into the office four times four days a week um I, I absolutely have no reason to go back yeah that's really interesting and, it, and it's interesting that this is going has gone on and will continue going long enough that we're quickly finding out how how where the office is important where it's not and when it's not important it's just a debate of like well why go there what will it do how will it help yeah and then, you know it's it's been interesting to see um, you know when when you talk to uh, IT organizations um, uh, around kind of that phase two of the recover uh, a lot of them. Um, have, um, you know, kind of increased their risk profile, right. um, based on the capability. So, you know, they may not be able to actually manage Windows feature updates. Um, but they certainly can patch with some pain. And, and so their recovery is, Hey, it's not where we really want to be. Uh, so as I move into the, the reimagine phase and, and, you know, figure out how to support the hybrid workforce, then they really, really have to start to reassess what their capability is going to look like right. and, and how they're going to achieve it. Because one of the, one of the challenges that they're going to be faced with, and you know, this 
as much as I do, you know, everybody's home situation is a little bit different. Yeah. And with differs, um, you know, in my instance, I've got a working wife uh, and a kid in college. So at any given point in time, there may be three of us on video calls. Sure. Uh, which can challenge your uh, Wi-Fi setup. Yeah, yeah, so no the kidding. last thing IT organizations want to be doing is, is pushing stuff out to me uh, or my wife impacting kind of my productivity across the board if that makes sense yeah totally and you're, you're right and th- and then it's the the fellow who you know a young person who's got roommates and the office is the dining room table and everything has to be torn down every night for dinner and they really want to go back to the office like that they, they're just living in a different situation entirely I, but I also I'm picking up on the the secondary line you're saying there Dave which is like all those temporary measures you put together in phase two to just get you through you better come up with permanent solutions to those things because there is no getting through. We're going to stay in this hybrid mode to some degree. Oh, absolutely. And and so that was the, again, kind of the impetus behind, behind my blog post was the fact that, you know, for most organizations that really haven't digitally transformed um, and embraced modern management in, in cloud, um, they've really got to start talking about what that looks like today mm-hmm. um, because there's going to be a lot of work that goes behind um, lighting up what this new strategy looks like. And again, I've heard just a lot of customers talking about kind of very point centric solutions um, to get them through. And they're not talking about a holistic strategy that gets them to a place where they can um, manage the on-prem folks as well as the off prem folks, um, the remote worker scenario, um, that provides a very consistent, simplified way to manage and support versus having two or three different solutions to manage the different scenarios. So hopefully the goal and, and, you know, those strategy discussions are all about developing that, that holistic view of, okay, how can I manage it uh, with a single solution? that provides that consistent experience uh, and doesn't really impact the user too much. Because if you think about just Windows updates as an example, mm-hmm. right? if I'm not effectively uh, able to update and patch my remote worker machines, and then all of a sudden myself as an example who isn't receiving updates, I go into the office, jack in for a meeting, uh, and then I get, you know, six month of updates. So that's not going to be a great user experience, right? Yeah, there goes your machine for an hour, for sure. And Dave, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Going to the cloud enables remote work for your Windows 10 machines. But once those machines are out there and on the go, how are you going to manage them? Group Policy or an MDM service like Intune is a good start to manage Windows 10, but you're going to need more power. You'll still need to secure those machines' applications, OS settings, users, Java, and browsers. With so much attack surface for your remote work machines, you owe it to yourself to check out Policy Pack. Only Policy Pack hooks into and enhances both Group Policy and MDM to enable you to remove local admin rights and overcome UAC prompts, block unknown where, maintain and lock down applications and OS settings, configure the Windows 10 start screen and file associations, and manage all your browsers. Learn how thousands of other admins enhance the management of on-prem and remote work Windows 10 machines with Policy Pack. Come to policypack.com slash remote work to learn more. That's policypack.com slash remote work. Policy Pack, securing your standards. 
and listeners of this podcast are eligible to win a free copy of the Cybex Wiley book entitled MDM, Fundamentals, Security, and the Modern Desktop, using Intune, Autopilot, and Azure to manage, deploy, and secure Windows 10 by Jeremy Moskowitz, Enterprise Mobility MVP. Simply pick Maraz Radio in the dropdown when you visit policypack.com slash remote work. Good luck, and we hope you win. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Dave Backman. We're talking a bit about this hybrid workforce world we're living in now. And I wouldn't mind diving into the Windows update side of this because I do think it's one of those things that in phase one, when you were scrambling, you didn't think much about at all. If you've got WSUS and you're patching out all those machines when they're on, when they're in the office and controlling it precisely, it just means that when those machines went remote, they didn't get patches anymore. Or they're going to try and patch over the VPN? That sounds like an incredibly bad idea. Uh, very bad idea, especially <laughs> if you're talking, you know, 450,000 endpoints um, and trying to get them through your VPN concentrator. Yeah, good luck. You're, you're going to saturate things, which, you know, from a Windows 10 perspective, there are a lot of large organizations um, that just cannot deliver the feature updates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the I think the the. Uh, monthly updates are a non-negotiable because yeah. you want to keep those devices safe and secure. Um, so they've struggled and, and figured out, you know, what they need to do in the interim to be able to support it. Um, but you're right, right? If, if there was us, if there's Windows update, there's Windows update for business. There's a whole slew of different solutions out there that they can leverage, uh, to get in a much better place. Um, but it's all part of that bigger holistic picture I was talking about because, yeah. you know, if you're going to continue to use your own prem solutions like sccm um you know then either you've got to crank up your vpn capability uh and push everybody through there or you need to implement that uh split tunneling so that you're going directly out to the internet to pull those updates and and that's kind of a place where most organizations have landed on the the reality of hey split tunnel vpn is an absolute necessity yeah um not only to get the windows updates but also get the get the office updates so if i'm doing split tunnel that means am i still taking instructions from wsus about what updates to get but then i'm not using the office network to get them um, yeah, so the IT administrators can can configure the split tunnel um, to map traffic to either on-prem and off-prem. Yeah. So, um, you know, if they're comfortable pushing uh, just the office users directly out to the internet to pull the office updates from the CDNs, mm-hmm. our CDNs, uh, they can certainly do that. Right. Um, so it's all configurable and, and they can get pretty granular at what traffic goes where. Um, but, you know, our, our recommendation is, you know, certainly split tunnel for Windows updates, uh, the feature updates, uh, any office updates, and then um, soon to be Edge Chromium um, because those, uh, yeah. those updates will be yes. happening on a fairly regular basis. Um, so should we talk a little bit about Windows update for business? Is that something that makes sense to move to at this point if you're looking, if you're not happy with your current update solution and, and want to revise it? Uh, I would say absolutely yes. Yeah. Um, Windows Update for Business is essentially Windows Update on steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've provided a uh, a much more granular um, user interface for the administrators to give them much more control over policies. Uh, and if you look at our own situation for Microsoft internal, uh, we manage everything versus micro, Microsoft Endpoint Manager. Um, Intune actually pushes the policies down to the devices. Um, uh, it interfaces with Windows Update for Business, which then in, 
turn manages all the Windows updates, whether they're patches uh, quality uh, on a monthly basis or they're the feature updates. So we are fully capable of leveraging Windows Update for Business uh, and actually have been rolling out the latest uh, release uh, of Windows over the last, uh, I'd say, two months. Nice. So if I'm already on Intune, I should be good, right? Like Intune's kind of the way to go here, and it'll just use Windows Update for Business to take care of things? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we're putting a lot of investment into Windows Update for Business. Um, one of the biggest challenges that we've got, uh, if you talk to any IT administrator, um, managing drivers and firmware is a huge headache for them. Yeah. Um, so we're spending a lot of time, money, and effort uh, with Windows Update for business to actually light up the very granular ability for IT administrators to manage that capability down to the driver level and when they want to push that stuff out. Yeah, and when you get an array of different hardware, it gets really challenging to to manage the driver's issue. Like, that's not a small thing to figure out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and that's why it's such a, an overhead for administrators, just managing, approving, you know, parsing through all the drivers that get released. Um, and, you know, we do it for, you know, over a billion devices out there. We do it really well. Mm-hmm. So why not leverage us? The other benefit um, that is being rolled out and improved with Windows Update for business. So when I manage the one billion devices, um, with Windows Update, um, you know, our telemetry comes back and will tell me if we have an issue with a particular device, a uh, particular video card, and a particular driver. Right. Um, and if it is a serious issue, we'll put a safeguard in place to tell our machine learning uh, and AI algorithms not to deploy those machines because there's something broken, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. the driver needs to be updated. So yeah. we'll put a safeguard in place. So that the engine stops deploying to those devices until we get uh, things remediated. Those safeguards are actually uh, available in Windows Update for Business. So if you're a Windows Update for Business customer, um, I will uh, actually apply an extra layer uh, of protection uh, and keep you from shooting yourself in the foot if you happen to have that particular device with that particular video card and driver. Yeah, stop it from breaking the machine. Yeah. Does that make sense? So it's been it's. It's broken in the sense we're not getting the updates, but at the same time, you haven't broken the machine by pushing an update that would would limit its ability to function. So, yeah, absolutely. And then you know you over overlay things like desktop analytics, the endpoint analytics, the productivity score uh, capabilities that we're pushing out. Um, all of a sudden, you start getting telemetry back. We'll actually tell you what the issue is and give you a link to fix it. Um, uh, we'll keep it from being deployed. Uh, and then um, we'll actually provide you metrics on your success, especially around the remote worker productivity. So the productivity score stuff will tell you, hey, here's your boot times. Uh, here's what's taking it so long uh, for a particular user. Here's what you can do to help remediate that stuff. Uh, analytics, you get uh, obviously compliance reporting capabilities so you know who's patched and who isn't. Uh, you get update health um, or device health, and then you get update readiness capabilities uh, as well as some application stuff. Right. The other advantage with Windows Update for Business, 
uh, is that I actually leverage delivery optimization, uh, which is peer-to-peer caching um, for deployments. So I can uh, automatically help you improve and reduce the amount of bandwidth you're consuming uh, getting out to the endpoints. So, yeah, you get a little more granularity over where that stuff comes from and, and not just what you get, but where it comes from. So you don't stress the internal network. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, certainly, you know, if, again, you think about the holistic pieces, uh, it comes down to, you know, not only managing the updates, uh, but you're now able to actually deploy a line of business applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look in our instance around, um, you know, how we leverage autopilot now, um, you know, I fully can be up and functioning and productive with a new device right out of a box from an OEM um, uh, in about five minutes. Wow. Yeah. Well, and it, we did a great show with Autopilot. It was just like, hey, you know, the fact that you can spec out how to update a set of hardware at the factory so that it arrives at the employee's home, you never yep. touched it. And as soon as they power it up and plug it and it gets on the network, it starts loading stuff up on itself. Like that, that to me is astonishing. But to, to get to that level of functionality with a work from home person for updates as well. That, you know, that's a great goalpost. And I don't know that a lot of people had that goalpost. Like, I don't know where that was in the to-do list before the pandemic, but I bet it's higher now. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, bad on us, you know, when I go out and do big shows and, and talk and, you know, we just haven't done a, a real good job and kind of um, uh, sharing the Windows update for business story yeah. uh, on a more broader scale, um, you know, talking about tools like delivery optimization, which is that peer to peer caching that I was talking mm-hmm. about and, and some other things that help IT administrators kind of optimize their deployments. Um, you know, and autopilot's a great, great example of, okay, well, what are the trade-offs, right? Um, I can fully load a device and, you know, if I've got 200 line of business apps that I absolutely, absolutely want on that machine, um, I can do that. But the trade-off is, okay, well, the, the, install time is going to be significantly longer, yeah. which means the user is not going to get to productivity as quickly. So the trade-off is how much how much of those apps do I want to load as part of that process versus um, providing some pull mechanism for the end users. Yeah, don't load them all. Uh, load the ones instance, they need. You know, we don't lay down a bunch of applications. So being up and productive within five minutes is definitely feasible. Yeah, sure. That's really interesting. And then it's only when you need that app that's like, okay, give me a minute. I'm going to go get that one, not all of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a interesting set of granularities that you can pull off. Yeah, and I'll I'll go get that app at my convenience, right? Yeah, when, when, when you I need, need it. it. I know I'm going to need it at some point, but you know what? Right now, not a good time for me to be installing that stuff, yeah. so I'll wait when it's convenient. Especially, yeah, stuff I'm not going to use because you've got such a granular install. You know, it sort of hit me. It's like if you're still living in the ghost world, in the we have we have gold images of machines, boy, you're in a tough spot when everybody's working from home. Because those things are huge, yeah, and and not portable. Like you have to go to this more modern uh, uh, update and build mechanism where it is piece by piece, not a multi gigabyte image. Yeah, exactly, and you know, and that's the premise behind Windows 10 and mm-hmm. servicing, right? It's it's getting away from managing that golden image, um, you know, and and I used to be one of them, right? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I own the golden image. I updated that thing. Um, you know, the problem with the update uh, or the golden image is the minute you publish it, it's out of date. It's always wrong. Somebody's updated a driver somewhere, or something's changed. Yeah. 
Um, and those are the discussions that I, that I spend a lot of time with organizations, getting them to understand that you need to move away from that golden image. You need to move into servicing. So you've got to build out a service management mentality and maturity. Um, move away from being a project-centric IT organization when it comes to managing the OS to a process-centric approach, which means um, really if you boil it down to, you know, the way I used to manage back in the day with Ghost and all those other wonderful tools, um, you know, the deployments were really – uh, a green button decision. I'd spend three to five years preparing, testing, spending a lot of money, time and effort certifying that thing. And then come uh, Friday night after my deployment decision was made, I'd hit the button and I'd pray like hell that uh, I had a job in the morning because I really didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Now it's very With challenging. servicing, you move to a red button decision, which is you've got an assembly line of features and updates that are going out on a consistent, regular basis. And at the point I see an anomaly, I actually hit the red button. I put a pause on things, figure out what the issue is, and then remediate it. Yeah, that uh, makes a lot of sense. And it is, it is a modern way to do things, and it's something probably we've ignored for a long time. But as long as we're going to be living in a place where corporate machines are in people's homes, we just have to be better at this. And this looks like a good set of tools to get us there. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, I, I affectionately call them the, the image huggers. Um, those that still, <laughs> still like to manage that golden image. Yeah, it's, we it's, love you, man, but you got to move on. <laughs> Yeah, you do. And I, I equate it to, you know, and I used to have this conversation seven, eight years ago where I was dealing with the the um, server huggers as we were talking about moving to the cloud. Yeah, Those same that like thing. like to see the blink lights and manage the, the devices. Love to spin the screwdrivers. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a, a new new world and new mentality, especially now that we're moving into this hybrid workforce kind of scenario. Absolutely. Well, Dave, really fun to chat with you about this. And it is uh, an interesting time. And I appreciate your, your insights here that we have to get good at this. It's going to keep happening this way for a while, for in the foreseeable future and probably forever. Uh, may not yeah. be a, for, because of pandemic reasons, but because work is going to be different from now on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if I had one message to leave with everybody out there uh, from an IT administrator, IT perspective, you know, start the conversations now and, and look at the hybrid workforce from that holistic strategic approach to land on a single approach that manages everything you need to manage on those endpoints mm -hmm. uh, that provides that consistent experience for the users, regardless of where they're at. Absolutely. Because it is going to take some time. Yeah. And it is going to keep happening. So you better, you better get good at it. Dave Bachman, thanks for coming on Run As Radio. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Mm -hmm.